and welcome to another episode of Horror 4H. I'm sure you thought you'd heard the last of me, but just like 90% of the villains in the movies I riff on, you can't get rid of me that easily. Especially not with the Halloween season coming up. If I didn't start back on this, why, that'd be like Santa telling you to fuck off come December. The parallels are actually quite staggering. I too am an overweight, bearded white dude who forces his way into your home and brings you things you didn't ask for. That actually sounded... Way worse than I anticipated. But you know what? Fuck it. I'm back, and I'm back full force. That also did not sound good. Moving along. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at Horror4H. Check us out on Facebook by looking for, you guessed it, Horror4H. And Patreon as well, if you're feeling generous. And I still want to do more of the listener-submitted stories, but you guys haven't sent me any in a while. Granted, I haven't been begging for them every week either, so we'll call it a draw. But seriously, send me your spooky stories. Anything creepy will do. Some weird dude creep you out? Let me know. Saw a ghost? Let me know. Think you saw a UFO? Let me know. A demon came up from hell just to tell you you have pretty eyes? Let me know, and also send me a picture of your pretty eyes. Or just send me your eyes. What? I can't. I can't do that. My legal department has told me I need to state here, uh, do not actually send me your eyeballs. What's that? Fine! Or any eyeballs! Fucking spoil sports. <sighs> but, but send me your spooky stories at horror4h at gmail.com. Anyway, let's get to the real reason you're here. It's Sunday, and it's miserable out, and you're bored! I mean, fuck, no, it's, uh, to listen to me riff on bad horror. <laughs> That's it, yeah. So, sit back, relax, and enjoy bad horror through someone else's eyes. Bells, 1981. So, well, based on the title alone, I expect there to be a lot of bells in this movie. I'm sure I won't be disappointed at all. And we open with, of course, a close-up of a bell and, oh wait, no, that's actually a subway train and panning by a payphone. You guys remember when those existed? I kind of do. And some kids knock over an old man on the subway platform, not... Not like onto the tracks or anything. You gotta wait a little bit longer than one minute for the pointless violence. But but don't worry. I'm sure we'll get there soon. It's probably been two or three years since I've seen this particular piece of crap. But I remember it like uh, like it was... Um, uh, uh, not at all. I don't remember at all. Yeah, so I don't know. And a kind woman helps the old guy up. Surely that means she's the protagonist of the story. And this wasn't a feeble attempt to let us know we should care about her before killing her horribly. Surely that's not the case. Oh, hey, the payphone's ringing. Homeless person down the station's ignoring it. You know, that's kind of what you would do. So, of course, this woman who was just about to go up the escalator should go pick up the phone because she's just a nice and stupid person. She answers, and we hear a dial tone shortly after, with a busy signal coming through over the dial tone, which is already impossible because a dial tone, for those of you who have no idea what, I'm, what the fuck I'm talking about, a dial tone means... The phone line isn't currently being used for a call, while a busy signal means that it is. It's busy. So see, back back then, most phones only had one line, so you didn't have call waiting and shit like that, and holy fuck, you guys, I'm old. Like, literally, some of you might not know what I'm talking about. This movie came out three years before I was born, and it already seems outdated completely. I wonder if someone's gonna make a movie about a killer cell phone, and then in, like, 30 years, someone's gonna, like, riff on it, like, why the fuck would you use a cell phone when you can just use your quantumly entangled brain device to telepathically connect with your friends? <laughs> right? Like, oh, that makes me wonder, though, like, how will nudes be sent in the future? Hmm. Anyway, the busy signal speeds up, and the tone of it goes higher and higher, and the woman begins to shake violently. 
Wait, no, not violently. Um, what's the word? Comedically! I always get those two confused, which has caused some major issues with the police in the past. Let me tell you. Anyways, blood pours from her eyes and mouth, but for some reason not her ears. Like, she's being murdered by a busy signal, but her ears are fine. Oh, now they're not. Okay, because I thought her head would explode in like a bad scanner sort of way, but instead the, the phone did complete with old-school terrible lightning and thunder noises, sending her flying back several feet towards the escalator, where we clearly see a sign that says, Please hold handrail. And you guys won't believe this. She doesn't fucking hold the handrail. So that's that's why she's dead. That That's what I'm saying. So Sergeant Safety says, Obey the safety rules, kids, or you'll fucking die. Who is Sergeant Safety, you might be asking? Some weird random dude I just made up in my head. If possible, he's going to make an appearance every time I can shoehorn him in in this episode because I like to have running gags, in case you haven't noticed. And if you did notice, aw, thank you. I work hard on those. It's appreciated. Oh, her body landed on the escalator, and we get a shot of it going up the thing with blood all over her face and red shirt. Or her red shirt is just slightly damp because she spilled something on it. I, I don't know. Note to future filmmakers, if you want to highlight blood, don't have the person wear red. Yeah. So a homeless person wanders up to the escalator and is basically like, huh, well, fuck, and walks away while the phone is on fire and melting and roll credits. Well, thanks for watching. That was a great episode. Oh, wait, no, fuck. These are the opening credits. Damn it. Mm. Cut to an office with the phone ringing. Oh, no, don't answer it, dude, with a sweater and a beard. You're too pretty to die. Oh, wait, he was, he was standing on the arms of a swivel chair. Dude, Sergeant Safety's going to kick your ass. Safely kick your ass. Don't, don't stand on the arms of a swivel chair. Uh, Pretty Boy is a professor of something, and his name is Nat, and I wish that was all I ever did to say about him, because so far he's had a few lines, but he said them all at the same speed, fast, with the same inflection, bad, and I'm realizing I have about an hour left of this guy unless he gets killed right away, which I don't think is going to happen, sadly, but we can hope. Come on, murder phone! No, okay. He's some sort of science teacher. We learn this because he's talking to his students trying to do an experiment and uses words like polarity and magnets. And even though this is obviously some sort of physics class, he just decides to wax philosophical and writes an equation on the board that says, power over technology equals control of destiny. Uh, is this going to be on the test? And if so, why? So, alright, the dead lady uh, apparently was one of his students, and now we have a link and can continue this movie. Uh, why do I sound pleased about that? Oh, right, because that means we're getting closer to the end of the movie. <laughs> okay, God, yeah. So, he's gonna go take a look at her body or talk to the cops or something. I'm not sure why, and honestly, who cares? So, the phone rings in a dark office, and some guy named Smith answers the phone, and a voice says, You stole it from me, Gordon. It should have been mine. Cue the busy signal and shaking and bleeding from every orifice, except for the one he should be bleeding from. And then the receiver explodes, poorly, and flings the guy several feet backwards while he's in a rolling chair. So that sends him careening out a window and several stories down to his death. Why do I sound so happy about this grisly, poorly staged murder? Because! Two reasons. One, Sergeant Safety says to make sure your office windows follow all safety regulations so you can't be thrown through them so easily. Remember, kids, follow the safety rules or you'll fucking die. And more importantly, two, defenestration! Yay! We haven't had defenestration in a while. You guys remember, like, back with the first episode with, with the psychic lady after the magic hatchet to the face? 
she got thrown through the window, and then I noticed there was a... No, it's just me. I'm the only one remember. Why am I talking to you like you're going to answer me back? This is a podcast. That's not how this works. And a room full of people at a conference where some random old dude is talking about the Ouroboros, and then Professor Nat decides the lecture is boring, and he knows something about boring-ass lectures, after all. So he goes out to make a phone call to the police about that dead woman. And the cops are even less helpful on the phone than you'd think. They make him repeat himself about four times, which makes perfect sense if you're trying to pad a script. I mean, why else would you have to repeat yourself that many times unless you were just trying to add extra words and time so you had enough to get what you need? Huh? Why else would you do that? Huh? I ask you, what other reason could you possibly have to constantly repeat yourself other than to pad for time? None. Just that one reason of padding for time by repeating yourself a lot. <clears throat> Andy's at the station in person now to talk to the cop and get her belongings because I, I guess they don't mail things anymore. I don't know. So he's even got a signed letter from her parents saying he can pick them up. That's weird, but all right. The cop needs to see it, which of course makes sense. So, you know, unless you're Professor Nat Douchebag, who just straight up tells the cop he sucks. I mean, like, he does, but did you just have to say it like that? Hmm. So you remember that boring guy at the lecture? Yeah, me either. But we're at his place now, where his phone is ringing, and his answering machine, which is bigger than my head, by the way, picks up, probably saving his boring life. Oh, no, no, just another boring guy talking about boring things, and for some reason, Nat is there now, and appears to be staying with him. What? Alright. And Professor Nat, creepy guy, opens her bag and starts going through them. Oh, thank God, though, he doesn't go straight for her underwear. Whew. Nat and old Boren guy are arguing about who sucks the most at being super political for the environment and both say Ouroboros in a weird way. Like, one says it like Ouroboros and the other one, I, I don't even remember. I, and I didn't write down pronunciation because it was super fucking weird. But anyways, old Boren guy says he's working behind the scenes, influencing those with power, and then shits all over Nat for teaching because influencing kids apparently doesn't affect anything ever. So remember kids, you know? You don't fucking matter to old, boring white guys. A actually, that's um, that's probably true overall. That's that's a good life lesson there. You are welcome for that. Mm-hmm. And then old, boring dude punctuates just how environmentally friendly he is by tossing Nat's beer can in a separate trash container. The man is a goddamn saint, I tell you. And Nat is at the subway platform where the lady died. Random artwork hung up around, including a Canadian flag. Wait, wait, what? That's okay. Oh, hey, the homeless lady is there, and she's asking for some change. And Nat almost hands it to her before grilling her about the dead lady. And I cannot place this woman's accent, but I want to say south to southeastern region of bad acting school. She tells Nat that lady died from phone lightning. And, and she, like, lady died from phone lightning. Like, what, is she the fucking Incredible Hulk? What the shit? Anyway... So he goes to take a look at the phone bank, which means there are several phones together, until he finds one that's brand new, dun-dun-dun, and cut to a phone ringing, ah! They're gonna do that a lot in this movie, aren't they? Ugh. And a kid roller skates out of his room over to the shitty floral pattern carpet to answer the landline, and there you go, one of the most 80s sounding sentences you will ever hear, at least this week. His mom tells him to put the phone down and clean up, so he does, and she answers on the other phone, and he hangs up the phone he was on and puts on headphones, so of course he doesn't hear as his mom shakes and bleeds everywhere except from her ears. I'm not letting that go. I mean, seriously, how the fuck 
Does a special tone make your eyes bleed, your nose bleed, your mouth bleed, but it doesn't make your ears bleed? I want science on this shit. This is insane. Almost as insane as repeatedly repeating yourself to pad a script. Subtle wink to the camera. Wait, this isn't being filmed, and I'm just recording audio, and I didn't actually wink. I just said subtle wink to the camera. I swear, folks, I'm not high, which saddens me greatly, honestly. Please send THC to the address printed across the bottom of your screen. Fuck, that's right, audio only. It's okay, though. You shouldn't give out your address to strangers on the internet, unless it's on Amazon. Want to know who taught me that? That's right. Common sense, but also Sergeant Safety. Thanks, Sergeant Safety. You're welcome. Holy fuck, where did that actually come from? I mean, like, I made the guy up. Someone call the police and tell them there's a strange man in my podcast? Why do you people put up with me? You know, outside of my hilarity and adorableness, I mean. How am I still single? Note, I'm still single. Ladies, please mail yourself to me at the address printed at the bottom of your... God damn it. Right, okay. Anyways. So, Mommy Dearest flies backwards into a china cabinet, and for some reason, I can't figure out, the sink she was at also explodes water everywhere because why the fuck not? Oh, wait, wait, wait. I know. It's because she was using something electronic while also keeping her hands in a sink full of water. Water and electricity don't mix. Sergeant Safety... Looking around nervously now, says so. <laughs> Cut to phone ringing! That got old real fast, like literally the first scene. Ugh, it's Professor Fuckwit calling Detective Imbecile. These two have such great chemistry, it's like mixing pure sodium with dihydrogen monoxide. If you do it in front of you, you'll die. Nat tries to tell the detective about the phone lightning, but surprise, detective already knew this and thinks it's kind of stupid, and to his credit, it is kind of stupid. But without that stupidity, we wouldn't have this movie. I wish we didn't have this movie. And he hangs up on Nat. Nat shows up to a big old building that looks kind of familiar. In fact, actually, remember Wheelie Dude in that building that Sergeant Safety, who is a nice person and not holding me at gunpoint... Talked about with the windows? Yeah, that place. It's it's the phone company. Oh, okay, there we go. So he talks to someone about the phone and the subway and how it was already fixed, and he wants to know why. When she suggests, uh, you know, try writing a letter to the service department, he channels his inner mid-50s white lady with a bad haircut and asks to speak to her supervisor. I'm not kidding. He says supervisor like four times in under one minute. If the man had an expired coupon, I'd swear to God I'd live that exact moment. So he approaches a woman painting a mural on the wall and strikes up a conversation with her by being a dick, commenting that her painting wouldn't work if it was real because of how circuits work. Because realism is super important when you're doing a commission painting for a phone company. Right. And what better way to impress this woman than by telling her she's doing her job poorly. Ten to one, though, it works, and they end up together by the end of the movie because humanity is just fucking terrible, and because chances are this was written and or directed by a man who was like, yeah, that totally makes sense. You know what? Actually, I'm going to look it up. Yep, okay, and the uh, the director was the dude who directed Logan's Run. I, if anybody remembers that movie, you'll understand why that uh, that is not surprising. It makes perfect sense in this context. And there were five writers. All men, but more importantly, it took five people to write something this fucking terrible. Oh my god. And suddenly, on one hand, I feel better about my own writing because it is infinitely better than this. But on the other hand, almost none of it is published, so just... Wow. Alright, he then goes on to say that other famous artists turned him on, yes, he uses those exact words, by having detail but not losing substance. Dude, quit fucking negging her. Oh my god. So he starts talking with the supervisor who asks his name like three times, 
and then says something like, you environmental types do good, but are all paranoid. Okay, so you actually knew who he was. So you didn't have to ask his name three times. So there's no way to know that he's an... Like, there's no way you could know that he's an environmental type without knowing who he already is. This is like, He'd have to be damned famous in this circle, too, because this is the late 70s when this movie was made. You couldn't just Google the guy's name back then. And Supervisor Man seems surprised that basically calling the guy a paranoid asshole doesn't just make him go on his merry way. I don't know. Gee, who'd have thunk it? Okay, you know what? Points to Professor Pickup Artist here. He actually says, I didn't say who I was or where I was staying, did I? Gotcha, bitch! <laughs> yeah, go, Professor Asshole. So he sees Painter Lady outside, and they strike up another conversation, which quickly turns to, you know what really hurts? Someone glorifying something they don't understand. Dude, she's a fucking... She's painting a wall for a phone company. I, I, I don't know. I guess next you're going to be pissed off that Van Gogh didn't fully understand physics on a cosmic scale and didn't have an innate understanding of how light works because, goddammit, he painted a starry night and he didn't understand it. Or, you know, maybe he's just pissed that she works for the phone company and, uh, you know, they were just mean to him, so he's taking it out on her. That's probably what it is. And now they're going to go to dinner together. Called it. I hope they both answer a phone later in this movie. Ladies... You know what? People in general, really, if someone's opening lines to you about how you can't do your job and how they think you suck for working for someone, don't go out to eat with them or sleep with them, which I'm sure she will eventually do because this is a bad horror movie in the 80s. So he heads back to the subway station and in a moment of pure cleverness that I can only assume used up the writer's collective brain power in totality, calls the phone company to tell them one of their receivers was stolen from the station. Now he's going to wait for the repair person to show up, hoping that they send the same person over and over to this particular spot and question them about why they work for a phone company that treated him so poorly. Then he's going to take the repair person out to dinner, too. Wait, no, okay, no, that's, that's not what's going to happen. Okay, so instead of just waiting there, by the way, he pulls out a pair of bolt cutters. Where the fuck did he get those? And clips the cord and just throws the phone away. Dude, you could have just waited and then been like, oh, I guess nobody placed a fake phone call. That sucks. Hey, what about the murder? No, no. He fucking just... That, okay. So, creepy point of view shot of a guy trying to open the door to a bank right now. Ooh, spooky. The bank is closed and he taps an umbrella on the window and the cashiers in the window are like, oh, sorry, come back tomorrow. So I'm pretty sure he's going to phone murder the one, the one that did that because, you know, the trend I'm seeing in this movie is middle-aged men having their feelings hurt and then being mad at other people and taking it out on them. Political reference. So the repair guy shows up. Second one this month. Repair guy says the receiver was melted and that's crazy. Some guy must have taken a flamethrower to it. Who'd do that? I don't know. Nat? Who would do that? Maybe the same kind of guy who'd fucking just bolt cutter one for fun? Mm-hmm. Nat suggests that maybe it's the voltage. And to my surprise, when the repair guy says, that's not it, Nat doesn't go into a blind fucking rage screaming, I know about electric stuff! My dick is big too! Ah! He does manage to get out of the repair guy that there are other melted phones down at the lab. Dun, dun, dun! Nat walks off in an almost trance, probably thinking, now if I can only get the lady I'm going to see later to sleep with me, and then get her to engage in industrial espionage, and make it seem like she's the bitch for doing it, things will go splendidly. And the cashier who told the mystery man at the bank was, you know, closed, gets dropped off at her place by one of the bank people, a, a middle-aged guy, and we see her phone ringing. Ooh, called it. She's about to bleed, not from her ears, though. Oh, and before she answers the phone, she takes off her dress because, yeah. And, oh, look, I don't like to be kept waiting. And somehow the phone exploding 
and her dying shatters the mirror several feet away from her she didn't even touch i don't know phone magic okay cut to the dinner that shouldn't be happening but it is she says a phone killing you sounds a bit strange and he points out that hey if red dye and a maraschino cherry can kill you why not a telephone I mean, if too much water in your lungs can kill you, why not a telephone? If a tiny piece of metal moving at an incredible speed can push its way through your body and kill you, why not a telephone? If this movie can kill your will to live, why not a telephone? Great logic, Mr. Professor. She basically says, it must suck to think that there's a water gate behind every door, and he says it sucks more when there is one. So to prove he's wrong that they're hiding something, she mentions, because she's painting a mural... She gets access to whatever she wants. Labs, diagrams, pictures. So obviously they're not hiding anything. Oh look, he's gonna get her to get him some information. Called it. And can I just point out two things here? One, they would not give access like that to someone painting a fucking mural. And two, I have said called it a few times now in a movie specifically designed about phones, phone calls that, you know, kill people. So I am fucking hilarious. They head outside where some creepy weird dude has a camera and takes pictures of them as they do something absolutely scandalous. <laughs> they talk about sharing a cab and then don't share a cab. What dirty, filthy sluts they are. But hey, I'm not going to judge them, the deviants. Phone call, but this time they don't let us feel the heavy dread of the phone ringing, not knowing if maybe this time Nat's going to die. Sadly, he, he also doesn't, as it's the cops from his hometown. I guess he's buddies with the sheriff back home or something. I don't know. And Nat asked him to look into the detective who's being mean to him. Now, we learn all this in about two seconds of exposition, followed by several more seconds of talking so fast, I barely caught it. But apparently, the detective was involved in a big case a while back that almost cost him his career, and lots of indictments and convictions happened. And what was the case about? Who were the indictments and convictions for? Who fucking knows? I don't know. Maybe we'll find out. But honestly, I don't care. I just want Nat to answer the wrong phone at the right time. Boring lecture dude that Nat's staying with is now lecturing him about how this uh, gumshoe routine is stupid. And damn it, Nat, you're an educator. Don't lose sight of your goals. Wait, weren't you just nagging him earlier about how he's not, like, he, he's not in the shit anymore and he's just teaching kids and that's, that's fucking stupid? Like, make up your mind, you old asshole. So old guy tells him to leave it alone because if there was anything going on by now, he'd know about it because, wait for it, keep waiting, not padding time at all by repeating myself, wait for it, he works for the phone company as their environmental consultant, dun dun dun, no one cares. Nat ambushes the detective in the station as they get in the elevator, and by ambush, I, I kind of mean ambush, he grabs him by the fucking jacket, throws him up against the wall, and in perhaps the only actual moment of comedic and insight in this film, the detective says, Bridger, if I was an L.A. cop, I'd shoot you in the face, but since I'm not, I'm gonna let you talk, then shoot you. <laughs> Sadly for once, the cop doesn't actually shoot the unarmed civilian, so this movie has to drag on for another 30 to 40 minutes. I know, I know, I'm sad too. But this is a friendly reminder from Sergeant Safety, who I assume is always watching me from now on, so I can't speak ill of him. Not that I ever would. <laughs> that if you don't want to get shot in the face, don't jump out of nowhere and assault people who are armed in an elevator. Nat tells him how to do his job, and the cop figures out that if, you know, Nat thinks the phone is killing people, Nat tells him how to do his job, and the cop figures out that Nat thinks the phone is killing people, which would have been enough right then and there to at least throw Nat into a psych hold for 24 hours, but no... And then he low blows the cop by bringing up the previously mentioned case. It was a murder that the deputy mayor did, but no one believed it except this cop. 
Now they're going to end up buddies chasing insane theories together. Hooray! Maybe this will turn from a shitty horror movie into a really shitty buddy cop sort of deal, but I doubt it. Creepy guy takes some pictures of Nat outside the police station and cut to Nat yelling at phone company lady. I, I seriously can't remember these people's names, and, and none of them are interesting enough to remember, so, about how he just needs to look at some stuff, and how, you said it was there for the asking, well, I'm asking, well, technically, she said it was there for her asking, not yours, you entitled shit. He needs to see research, which is upstairs, and by upstairs, she means literally in her little art studio that she's got in, in the phone company, she just has to walk up a small flight of stairs, and all of their research is right there in one filing cabinet. Yeah, that's realistic. Oh, and then he gets her ID badge so he can forge one for himself. Wait, wait, what? Okay, um, that's weird. And then we see creepy photo file show up again. Is this the killer or is this some other private dick? <laughs> dick. So, oh, and Nat stops in front of an adult bookstore. This movie might actually get watchable soon. Wait, no, he's just using the window on it to check the dude out, checking him out. Every time this movie starts to lead in a direction that's good, they just rip it away from us. Makers of this film were clearly sadist, and while I appreciate that, come on! So, of course, Nat, in a reasonable and legal way, just fucking runs up to the guy, slams his arm into the guy's throat while stealing his camera and bashing it to pieces while everyone on the street just stands around and watches, even though the, the, the you know, creepy dude is like, someone call the cops, he's going crazy! And then he grabs the guy's wallet and assaults him further until two cops run up. And Nat realizes he's done something socially and legally unacceptable and apologizes while offering to replace the guy's cam. I'm just kidding. He starts to fight with the cops till one of them clubs him on the back of the head. He uses his phone call to get a hold of Boring Lecture Man who asks what the charges are. And he says, they're still adding them up. Can you get me out? He says, of course. Of course. You don't know what the charges are. But, but just that there's more than one. Who the fuck is Lecture Man? What if the charges were multiple counts of homicide? Oh, it's okay, Nat. I have a Monopoly card. Wee so what's next? Take the tour and use the fake ID badges to snoop? Yes, that. Even though Lecture Guy just said he could get Nat a meeting with the president of the company. But yeah, let's take the tour, use a fake ID badge, and snoop around. That's not going to go wrong at all. So the tour guide at one point says, By the year 2000, there will be 1.4 trillion phones in the world, and at the, the cost to maintain them will be $1,000 per phone. Okay, by the way, that's uh, $1.4 quadrillion. So I'm going to stop right now, and I'm going to regale you with some facts to prove how fucking absolutely stupid this statement was. There are roughly just over 5 billion cell phones currently in use in the world, and it's 2018, and about 3.5 billion landlines still in use, bringing the total number of phones in use to just shy of 9 billion. Now, even if you account for discarded phones that are no longer in use, we're looking at max 15 to 20 billion. And the total amount of money in the world is $5 trillion. Now, okay, if you look at money in a broader sense, it's actually closer to $75 to $80 trillion. But still. So this movie is completely and utterly fucking stupid. I cannot express how far off they were. The scale is massive. It, so if every phone they predicted would exist was one second, then the amount of time they were off by is over 44000 years. As for the dollar amount, if every dollar was one second, then the total wealth they were off by was 444,000 centuries. The writers of this movie are, I believe, legally deemed too stupid to be alive. Okay, back to the movie written by people who have no concept of time, money, or phones. 
Nat runs off and tells Boring Lecture Guy that if anyone comes after me, just give them your bullshit. So Nat literally doesn't give two shits about anyone but himself, because he's an egotistical douche nozzle, and God help us all if he's right about this conspiracy theory thing, because if he lives through this movie and he was right, he will be even more insufferable than he already is, which I don't, I don't know if that's even mathematically possible. Unless we're using this movie's mass, in which case, he's going to be one gajillion times more insufferable. He then just randomly picks a door and walks in to see a tech doing exactly what killed people. Like, and then the tech just glibly tells him where the recall lab is, and that they're the ones who are working on it. Like, what the fuck? You just randomly pick a door, and it was in the middle of an experiment that they were doing that was exactly what you were looking for. This proves that God doesn't exist in this universe, because he'd never let this sort of stupid thing happen. And also, Sergeant Safety says, don't tell corporate secrets to random dudes who walk into your lab. Or at least that's what this handwritten note that he just left under my door says. And it's it's written in blood. Fresh blood. <laughs> okay. Uh, and uh, random tech is calling someone to talk about Nat. So that's good. At least that means he's not a totally, you know, completely fucking moronic idiot. Oh my god, he asked for the PR department, not security. Okay. Also, apparently, the tech told him the right place to go see the melted phones. Like, if you were suspicious, just give the guy the wrong lab, jack off. Ah, and now security's there asking for his papers, so I guess PR called security? I don't know. Ten to one, Nat's about to punch people. You should have taken those odds, by the way, because he just runs away, then walks very slowly. And now, over the speaker system, we hear all non-company personnel are being asked to leave the building. And then, suddenly, we would see a bunch of construction workers leaving an elevator with Nat in the group wearing a hard hat. What the fuck just happened? Obviously, this company is terrible with money because they hired the equivalent of an old dog in a cartoon for security. Ugh. Nat runs to Art Lady's place where she calls him a bastard because, you know, phone company people are all over the place and they have pictures of her helping him. Though, to be fair, she's also just fucking stupid for ever going to dinner with him in the first place and then committing industrial espionage because he was being whiny. Ugh. There's not... There's, there's some not-so-witty banter that happens, and then all of a sudden there's talk about how the phone company runs the world, and then Nat is all, don't you see this means they're scared, before forcibly kissing her. Like, he full-on sexually assaults her. I, I don't have any jokes here. It's just fucking wrong. And then she's all, oh yeah, let's fight them and win, and I'm so turned on by all this, even though you just assaulted me and made me lose my job by being a complete fucking prick and jackass, and by all logic and reason, I should just kick you in the dick and murder you! Boring lecture guy calls, and there's some dialogue where there's likely subtext, but it's so poorly written, I can't find it. And then the phone company calls Boring Lecture Dude and lectures him about how he needs to control Nat, because Boring Lecture Guy is working for them even more than he said he was, and this plot is so convolutedly stupid that I'm pretty sure I'm not even watching a movie anymore. I'm like 99.9% .9 sure I'm actually having a stroke, and I've had an embolism in my brain that's causing massive hallucinations. To further reinforce that belief, Sergeant Safety is here to remind everyone of a few things. So, um, I'm gonna turn the mic over to him now. If you think someone is having a stroke, just remember, base. M is for facial drooping. A is for arm weakness. S is for speech difficulties. And T is for time to call 911 because you're gonna fucking die, kids. Send help. I'm scared. And another phone call for Boring Lecture Dude, and uh, other voice on the line says something cryptic and stupid like, You didn't control your environment, but I'm controlling mine. You're too close. And despite Boring Lecture Man knowing that fucking people are being murdered over the phone, 
and being ass deep in it. He's too goddamn stupid to put the fucking phone down. And so instead, guess what? Yep, he bleeds from everywhere except his fucking ears and gets thrown backwards through a fucking window. Yay, defenestration. And also his glasses explode for good measure, which is why Sergeant Safety is remind yes, reminding me to tell you to wear safety goggles. Wait, how the fuck would that even help? His glasses exploded. If he's wearing safety goggles, then the glass would have just bounced back into his eyes. You know, I'm starting to think you're not even really in the military, Sergeant Safety. Wait, um where uh where where'd he go? Okay, this riffing is going meta and weird, and I, I'm, I'm confused. Oh no, a phone call! It's Detective What's-His-Name, and he somehow knows to call Art Lady's place to find Nat. Because apparently everyone in this movie always knows where everyone else is to, at any point in time so they can call them. I, I, like, I don't know why we stopped doing that. I don't know why we invented cell phones. I, I was just, we should have just kept doing that. So Detective Guy Man tells Nat that boring lecture dude is dead, so he needs to get down to the station because I don't I don't know reasons. And I remember him saying like get down there right away. So you know then cut to the next morning. Wait what? Let me let me just back this up real quick. Yeah okay get your ass down to the station my office right away and then it's the next morning. I mean not like I really expected this movie to stick to continuity, but um. So Nat lets Detective Man know that Boring Lecture Dude was going to talk to the president of the phone company, and since Lecture Guy was the second death connected directly to the phone company, they decide to head down and talk to the president of the phone company right away! Five days later, they get there. No, not really. But, you know, would you, would you be surprised? I wouldn't. So Detective asks the secretary to speak with the president, and she, of course, asks if he's got an appointment. Instead of saying, no, I'm with the police, I need to ask him a few questions... He pulls out his badge and says the guy's wife was almost cut in half in a fucking car accident because, you know, fuck getting anything usable in court. <sighs> yes, okay. Sergeant Safety is telling me to avoid being cut in half in a car accident. You should, sh you should have a metal body like he does. Wait. What? A metal... I... I'm... I'm really confused and frightened here, you guys. Send help. So the president basically says, fuck you, I talked with the commissioner, so fuck off. And Nat gets all high and mighty like, you're dictating what information gets to the law? That makes it seem like you're above the law. You know, that's big talk for a fuckwad who's assaulted one man, sexually assaulted a woman, trespassed, conducted industrial espionage, destroyed private property, and littered. Yeah, okay, fine, I will tell them. Jesus Christ. Sergeant Safety says littering is dangerous to people and to the planet, and that if you do it, you'll fucking die. That... That seems a little harsh, Sergeant. Anyway, and as they leave, Artist Lady is there and tells her to go hide. He tells her to go hide somewhere, but, um, wait a minute, hold on. My question is, why the fuck is she still there? Like, they know for a fact she gave away sensitive information about murder to this guy, and she's still just right outside the president's office. That makes no sense at all. And I know we have established these people are stupid, but still, this is this is impressive levels of stupidity. So, alright, in perhaps one of the only smart moves of the movie, Nat tells her, I'll call, and that I'll let it ring once, then hang up, then call right back. That way, the murderer can't kill you. Which is actually pretty smart. Nat won, everything else in the universe that isn't this movie, a number too high to count. Nat gets back to Lecture Guy's place, where we see the chalk outline of where his corpse was, but no police tape or anything else like that, and everything he was using and touching the night before is still around, not marked, because apparently the police are also fucking idiots, the same as everyone else. <sighs> they didn't take his phone, his tape recorder, his answer machine, nothing. Everything that you'd associate with these deaths, they just left there. 
Good job! So the tour guide follows Art Lady out and asks her all sorts of questions and talks about how Nat is a smart guy and other things that make literally no sense and then listens to hear what address she tells the cab to take her to. So, okay, tour guide's the killer. Got it. Now, we, uh... Oh, look! Now we see someone looking up the address that she just told the cabbie and finding the phone number for it. Yeah, okay. So she hears the phone ringing and gets out of the shower to go answer it, though. Even though it's just ringing constantly, she gets all the way to the phone, stares at it for a few seconds, and then answers it right as the guy decides to give up. <sighs> because she's fucking stupid. She's she's a fucking stupid moron who deserves death at this point. Like, I'm sad she didn't die. They literally just had a conversation about how there's a special ring that they're going to do so she doesn't get killed, and she ignores it the second the phone rings. Sergeant Safety, can you jump into the movie and murder her? I didn't kill people, Brent. I just let their lack of safety kill them. By the way, wear your seatbelt, or you'll fucking die. Okay. And now she's just staring at the pol like the phone while she's eating, like it's the most interesting movie ever. Which, you know, this one isn't. Oh, and now the special ring happens, and Murder Man's trying to call someone again. Maybe her. Who knows? Nat's also dialing her. <gasps> what's gonna happen? I hope she dies. But what's gonna happen? Seriously, who knows? Ah! Uh, uh, ah! It's Nat. Damn it. Okay. So he brings the tape of the boring lecture man over so she can listen to the voice on the tape. Because he listened to it, and it sounds familiar to him. And she knows everybody in town that he knows, so obviously she'll know who it is. And she does! And I don't know how he got that tape out of the answering machine, because everything was melted. And yeah, I, you know what, I'm not gonna dwell. So, obviously, she figures out, oh my god, it's the tour guide, it's Clayton. So, he calls the detective, and the detective isn't in, so he tells the desk sergeant to have the detective call him back at Art Lady's place. No special ring or anything, though, so let's hope that backfires and gets someone killed. She finds the address for the, the tour guide, and Nat is going to rush off to do something, and then tells her to wait there in case the detective calls. Wow. Just, just wow. Uh, she then tells him not to do anything stupid. Too late, he already fucked you. And he's all, hey, I got a PhD. Yeah, well that hasn't stopped you from doing some stupid ass shit the whole movie, so why would it stop you from doing anything stupid now? He pulls up to, wait, no. Okay, he took a cab earlier, and... So did she, so it's not her car, it's not his car, now he's driving, okay, whatever. Mm. He pulls up to the place and it looks condemned, complete with molding food on the table. Mm. <sighs> yes, Sergeant, I will tell them, hey kids, don't eat moldy food or else you'll fucking die. <laughs> so the phone rings and she asks if it's the detective and when the voice on the other end doesn't immediately say yes, she hangs up. <laughs> I'm just kidding. He asks if uh, if she's who she says she is, and she's like, oh, Clayton, which is the tour guide's name, and then we see him on his end. Dun, 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 he is the killer. Oh, fuck. And then she throws the phone before he could kill her. So, damn it. That sucks. So Nat tries to call her, uh, but, you know, the line's down, so he's like, oh, no, she must be dead, and he rushes back to find the detective already there. Um, I don't know how he knew to go there, but okay. And, you know, she's fine. Also, the assistant commissioner is a buddy of the detectives, so both of them and Nat head over to the president's place to grill him. Sadly, not literally, though. Nat figures if the guy thinks Art Lady is dead, and he's the only one left, and the dude knows where he's gonna be tomorrow, so he tells the president of the phone company to trace the call, and the phone company president goes, Tracing is a myth! And then instantly says it would take five or six minutes to trace a phone call. So it's, it's not a myth, it just takes a while. Everyone in this movie is stupid. Everyone. I picked a hell of a film to come back to, you guys. Whew. 
So instead of tracing, Nat's all, okay, well, we can sig the, send the signal back to him. If he doesn't have couplers, then we can do some bullshit technical lingo here to kill him. Okay, even if that works, why would you think the guy who invented a way to murder people through the telephone wouldn't have protection set up for himself? Oh, right, because everyone in the movie is stupid. Okay, got it. Continue. Oh, wait, now they're saying they have to trace the call before they can reverse the signal. Why would you do that? You ju you're setting up a murder at that point. And the cops are okay with it. Like, if you can trace it, just trace it and send cops to the address. The, you're, you're just like, gonna, you know what? I'm overthinking it. Never mind. Okay. And Sergeant Safety says stress can fucking kill you. I, guys, I, I am, uh, I'm honestly pretty sure here that uh, Sergeant Safety can just fucking kill you. But don't tell him that I said that, please. Okay, Nat is giving a speech at the lecture thingy, Merbaba, that happened earlier. That I forgot. Oh my god, the phone call, it's happening. Everybody places. Ah! Let's hope everyone dies. And I mean everyone. Everyone in this movie. So the detective tries to take the call for him because he doesn't know your voice, Nat. Okay, I'm actually pretty sure he's been around Nat a few times, but ooh, dookie. Two seconds, and they have the first digit, so wow, it's gonna take five or six minutes, huh? Okay. One ring. Two. Three. Four. Five, six, almost seven rings before he answers. And yet the murderer doesn't think that, you know, shit's up because that's right, because everyone's fucking stupid. So the third digit is locked now. Wow, this is really not taking very long at all. It is not taking five or six myth minutes. So glad that tracing was a myth. Murder man says some shit about how the phone company stole everything from him, even though, you know, he still like fucking works for them. I'm sure they probably thought this made sense because of all the cocaine and stupidity, but they were very, very wrong. Oh, oh, oh no, Murder Man figures out that they're trying to trace it, and he throws a switch, and the phone explodes, but sadly, not before Nat tosses it. Damn. And then they lock the last number and send it all back through, again, just being totally fine with trying to murder someone without any due process or anything like that. His equipment starts doing some crazy stuff, sparking and exploding, but for some reason... It's not doing shit to him until he starts walking around the lab like, oh no, it's my murder machine's blowing up. And he backs into a giant shelf full of heavy equipment, which falls on him and kills him that way. And fucking yes, okay, Sergeant. That's why you fasten heavy equipment to the walls or floor, kids. Because if you don't, stay with me, you'll fucking die. Nat threatens to publish everything and Art Lady wants to paint another mural and then they're talking to the phone company. I don't care anymore. And I bet we're going to end on a weird phone call. Oh, look. Yep, there's Dr. Nat Bridger to the green courtesy phone, please. Oh, wait, it's actually a legit phone call. Okay, that's wasn't expecting that. And Art Lady starts to walk away, and Nat smiles like an insane person before saying, I'll call you! <laughs> Is he going to call her and murder her with the phone? Obviously, now they know how to murder people with phones, so the U.S. can just call every single... Every single, like, foreign leader they want to get rid of. So wars are a thing of the past now, right? Does, does that even make sense? Does any of this make sense? And who the fuck is Sergeant Safety? We'll never know. Because that's it. That's the end of the movie. Well, that was Bells, also known by other titles, uh, such as The Calling and Murder by Phone. Wasn't it just god-awful, but so much fun? It was nice to get back into this, guys. Hopefully I'll have a new episode up sometime in the near future, but uh, you all know how it goes by now. When I can do one, I will. At the very least, you know whatever you're going to get is going to be fucking hilarious. Or, you know, I think it's going to be fucking hilarious. I think I'm funny. 
That's the important part, I think. I don't really know. I won't bore you, though. So, I already ran through all the social media stuff at the beginning, so no need to do it now. So, take care, everyone. Also, Sergeant Safety says you're gonna fucking die. <laughs>